to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the NBC Sports King's Insider Podcast. I am James Ham here at the King's Practice Facility, sitting alongside Costa Kufis, big man for the Sacramento Kings. What's going on, Costa? Not much, James. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining me. You know, you're a guy who doesn't love to do media. Uh, I never said that, but you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a low-key guy. I'm all about efficiency. You know, just low-key. You are about efficiency. Um, talk about efficient. Your game the other night was wow. extremely efficient. What was it that you see as you're developing with this team, the niche that you're creating for yourself that you can do to help this team? I mean, first of all, you know, we, we want to win. You know, it doesn't mean anything if it doesn't translate to a W. Uh, for us, you know, even the guys coming off the bench just doing little things right, you know, for my roles, whether it's being defensively in tune or offensively in tune, but, you know, just, just do the little things right, whether it's setting screen or rolls properly or or just playing good defense or protecting the rim. And, you know, I've done that my whole career. I've been very, very lucky, very fortunate. You know, I can help you know, the team win games. You know, that's just my role. So your role is, a lot of the time, is to do the dirty work. It's not to do, put up big numbers, not to get noticed. Um, every once in a while you have one of those games where you, you block a bunch of shots. Did you, did you notice that you blocked that one shot right off the top of uh, Hernan Gomez's head the other night? Uh, I would, no, I don't really remember. I just, my mindset was don't let him score, and that's what it was. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm capable of scoring high numbers and rebounding big numbers but you know that's it's not my role scoring we got enough scores in the team so for me right now is little things of protecting the rim and just being out on screens and trying to limit limit the uh the offensive end of our, to our, our opponent when you look at the young crew that you have here you've got willie you've got Giannis, you've got scowl the, the young bigs how are they developing how are you seeing them mature as players as they're sort of progressing here uh they're really talented guys i mean they uh you know they've been, they've had a lot of flashes this year. You know uh, Willie's really talented. He's very you know he's a lot of intangibles. And his future's very bright. You know he can play the defensive screen and roll very well. He can score. He can run the floor. And catch lobs. Likewise with Scal and Pop and uh, and Harry Giles as well. You know they're really young and then their futures are really bright. When you were young like them, how long did it take you to get comfortable in the league and sort of understand where you're going? Well, when I first came in the league, I had Jerry Sloan. So I mean it was. Uh, you know, he was very, um, very, uh, the, the, the gap for error was very small. So for me, you know, I had to grow up and grow up quickly. And I was 19 years old when I first got in the league and, you know, helped me build my foundation. I mean, for these guys, you know, we're, we're definitely very positive with them every single day. And, you know, they're coming along and you just got to be, got to be patient. You talk about Jerry Sloan. Um, how has the league changed from a guy like Jerry to where you are today? I mean, Jaeger is, is kind of an old school throwback, but... Jerry Sloan was a different, a different kind of guy. Well, yeah, I mean, there are two different types of coaches. You know, Jaeger has, has a hell of a career coaching so far. You know, he's, he's, I was with him in Memphis, so he knows how to win. And, you know, Jerry Sloan, you know, that was just an old school mentality. You know, it's just, uh, 
you know, he was a great player when he played as well, and he's that, that, that grittiness to him, you know, it translated in, uh, to the coaching as well. Now, you're a movie guy. Um, what have you seen lately? I saw Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, that was a wonderful movie. Did you I, have a good time? I loved it. I loved it. I went with the lady, and uh, we were laughing the whole time. And uh, <laughs> Was that different? I mean, it was for me. It was like it was yes. funny in a strange way. I think it was funnier than the other two. And uh, I think the, for the first scene where he was was he was dangling from the chains, it just it just started from there on out. It was yeah, it was great. I think that was my favorite scene of the whole movie where he was just dangling around. And and uh, you know I'm a big Marvel comic guy, DC karma guy, and you know just seeing like you know reading the comics when you're younger and you're just seeing them on the big screen is pretty cool. Is it fun to see them almost making fun of themselves like they did in that movie? Because it sure, felt like that. Sure. It was lighthearted. Oh, it was lighthearted. That's what you want to. You know, even even in life, you can't make fun of yourself, laugh at yourself. Then, oh, it's what's the point? You know, what I mean, you have a sense of humor, enjoy your life, you know, maximize what you can do. And even even with Thor, you know, it's kind of funny. Like he was making fun of himself and stuff like that. And it was that was pretty cool. It was pretty fun. It was pretty. F- Besides Thor, what else have you seen lately? Um, I went oh, to man, see. Murder on the Orient Express. How was yes. that? Did you like that? It was good. It was. It was it based off an older movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's based off uh, Agatha Christie yeah. Perot book. Classic, right? Yeah, classic yeah, classic. Book, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. was good stuff. See, I, I, I'm probably gonna wait for that to get on DVD. Honestly, I'm more of like an action hero type of guy that goes to see the theater. But if it comes on DVD, I'll see that kind of movie for sure. Now, do you go on, when you're on the road? Do you go hit the movies? What What is your road like? Um. Usually I'm just just go out to dinner with some teammates, hang out in the room and watch watch some old school movies. You know, you know a lot of Marvel movies, DC movies, um, comedies. Like I'm a huge South Park fan, so I watch a lot of South Park episodes just to just keep just keep my mind lighthearted and just keep it keep the positivity and have a sense of humor. So I, it's kind of funny because I met the uh, met the creators of South Park when I was in Denver and uh, it was pretty cool. Like watching them growing up, Trey Parker and and, and Stone. What's his name? Trey. Oh man! Uh, man, I, I messed the name I, up. But, yeah, uh, I, they didn't they do basketball. They did basketball, and that was that was a classic in my in my. Uh, that's definitely my top twenty. <laughs> that's that, in that your and Billy Madison. So I mean, <laughs> I'm more of a Happy I'm, Gilmore guy. Yeah, for sure, I love Happy Gilmore as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy old Madison school, was old school. Adam Sandler. That's right. So are you a, a Netflix on the tablet? What are you? What is that you do? Yeah, I do a lot of Netflix, but uh, for me, I uh, watch a lot of YouTube videos as well. Really? So, yeah. Watch watch old old school basketball, old school NBA, and the YouTube, and then a lot of cars, and you know, uh, you have a lot of bloggers on on, on YouTube. So, okay. So there's a there's a guy named Solomon Solomon Drain. I don't know how to pronounce it right, but he's a guy from California, vehicle virgins and stuff like that. I watch a lot of stuff like that, and just to see how they do it on YouTube. You know, a lot of YouTube millionaires out there that they grinded it out, just posting videos on the cars, and they just made it big. Isn't that crazy how they can make money on YouTube like Definitely. that? You can do it from all angles, you know. If you're whatever your thing, if you're if you're a lady, you, know, you can do your makeup, your makeup scenes and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. Make a lot of money off of that. And that's I get credit to those YouTubers. You know, they they hustled and grinded it out, and they made a big name for themselves. Now you're not a a gamer, right? I am a gamer actually. I'm not, you know, online and okay competitive like that. But I play a lot. Of, I play a lot of video games. You know, I'm more into like Gran Turismo and old school Zelda and stuff like that. Okay, so you're a car guy through and through. For sure. Right? For sure. Yeah, and. Do you have a car collection? No, I don't. I save my money. You know, I. Uh, That's right. We've talked about. Yeah, this. I have one car. It's a Nissan GTR, and the new one, 2017. But that was always been my dream car. Okay. You know, I remember playing Gran Turismo. They had before the GTR was called the Skyline. So the R32s and R33s and R34s, and the uh, the, the holy grail of GTRs, the R34. 
but you can never get those because you have the 25 year 25 year import ban in, in the USA. So, okay. And they're right hand drive, so you gotta like wait another what, ten more years before I can get that. So. <laughs> so you're waiting. I'm waiting. You're saving waiting all your on. money for that. I'm not saving all my money. No, no. You're not, not putting in a Greek bank, right? No, no. I'm uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep uh save it right, buy some commercial real estate and some apartment complexes and create as many forms of residual income, and then when I'm 35, I can retire off some annuities as well and. Do whatever I want with my life after I retire. So. See, Costa, you're a smart man. I, you're a guy who, I, I think this stat is 65% of all NBA players are bankrupt within four years of retirement. That's not you, though. I, look, I stay in my lane, stay in my financial lane, keep my blinders on, and just focus on myself. You know, there's there's people that have had many more years in the NBA than I have, and people have had many less. So, I mean, right now, for me, I'm just focused on myself and my family. That's right. Now, you do a lot of charity work during yes. the summer. What is it that you like to do? Uh, and you do most of it back home in, in yes. Ohio. You know, I, uh, you know, I'm a believer of, you know, you control what you control. You know, I think it starts with making a difference in your own community. And everything else, you know, is a trickle-down effect. You know, for me, I, I always wanted to build basketball courts, you know, for the kids to have a safe environment to play. And I, I was very fortunate that I had some people help me along the way. And built two big full courts on my on my high school where I, where I went to and there's a lot of kids that I play every single day and you know it's just sitting in Twitter feeds of people posting you know thank yous and stuff like that it's just you know it's a very humbling experience for me as well and also you know my father before he passed you know he worked at Children's Hospital after Children's Hospital and you know going there and him bringing me along and seeing you know the, the, the kids going through cancer treatments and chemo and just just not realizing until now how strong those kids were and what they went through and it keeps things in perspective you know you know, you know, it just shows how you know how great a life you have, and you know, there's always somebody out there that's always has it worse than you. And you know, going back there, donating as well, and trying to improve like you know the living quarters for the kids, and as well as the church as well. I grew up to you know donating here and there for like little improvements for the church and stuff like that. So little things that little things that add up. What are your big plans going forward? You you've got the two basketball gyms. Yeah, that was my big plan right now. That was, that was a big uh, that was a big donation. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, right now it's that, and I just want a little add on every year to that to those courts. You know, make it like a little mini Rutgers Park in Canton, Ohio. Oh, nice! Yeah. How important is it that you do that and that your teammates do stuff like this in their communities and make a difference? Yeah, every one of my teammates, you know, they do also do their own things in their communities. And like I said, people in, the, in their own communities appreciate it. And you know, it's you lead by example by doing that. You know, it's. You make you can talk all you want, but make actual action is the, is a true lead by example. All right, so you've you've been in the NBA for a while now, and yeah. you've got one more year left on your deal here in Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, are how are you looking at this? Uh, you got a player option for next year, mm -hmm. but how are you looking at this career that you've built for yourself, and what's next for you? You know, for me, it, it's it's very simple. You know, the simple simple life's the best life. I always say I've always said it all the time. You hear me say it all the time in the locker room. But for me, it's just day by day and just keep chipping away and just how I can make myself better basketball player on the court and off the court. You know, whether it's helping the young guys, you know, try to try to mature faster or, you know, lead by example on the court with setting good screens and, and you know, trying to protect the rim as best I can, trying to score with efficiency and rebound with efficiency. So just come in every day and just do my job the best I can. And, you know, you're going to have bad days, you're going to have good days. Just try to be streamlined as best you can. 
See, I didn't expect you to give me 11, 12 minutes of podcast here. You kept going. Yeah, you not, opened I'm up not, a little. I'm not wanting to say yes or no for answers. You know, I, I always elaborate <laughs> on my answers. You do. You do. Uh, you're also, you like to be PC. Uh, I know that. Not not as far as, as far as with your teammates and uh, with the game plan and what's yeah. going on. You like to give us your cliches, the Costa cliches. Yeah, that's why not really media likes to talk to me. They get the simple answers. Everybody lo- laughs and looks looks at me, and they're like, you know, we can answer for you. I was like, hey, all right. <laughs> it's a good way to avoid getting media talking hey, to you, isn't it? It's a good way of not getting fined, too. So That's right. All right, uh, that is Costa Kufis, big man for the Sacramento Kings. Thanks for, so much for joining me. James, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, buddy. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham. Joining me, as always, on this Thanksgiving morning, Mr. Doug Christie. DC, what's going on, man? Man, happy Thanksgiving to you, Ham, and all of the Kings fans out there, NBCS Sport, everybody, just just a happy Thanksgiving, good times. Are you ready to, to get your grub on, Ham? Yeah, I have a, you know, I, I've been married for a long time, and we go to my mom's house in the morning and then my mother-in-law's house in the evening, and so I have oh. two two Thanksgivings every year, two. Oh, oh boy, man. Uh, okay, so you're going to need to... You're gonna to need to do a little work then with two Thanksgivings. We gotta make sure you do a little walking, some push-ups, some sit-ups. Uh, yeah, we we need you to put a little work in there, Ham. Yeah, I'm gonna to have to throw on some short shorts, big fat headband, and start running stairs at the Golden One. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we might have to do that. A uh, little pregame ritual. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll do Rocky. We'll reenact Rocky scenes running up and down <laughs> the stadium stairs. <laughs> Getting stronger. <laughs> oh, look at you. Okay, I hear you got the pipes going today. You're feeling real good. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what, Doug? We're coming off a win. And I, I don't know yeah. about you, but uh, when you cover a team as long as I have, uh, the wins, you have no vested interest. You do. I, I don't. But it just feels better when you're coming off a win. It's easier to write a game story. It's easier to go in a locker room and have conversations. Everyone's more cheerful. Everyone's more willing to converse. Um, but the Kings are coming off a very, I think it's a very nice win against a young upstart Lakers team. How impressed were you with the performance that you saw on Wednesday night against L.A.? You know, I, I was highly impressed, Ham, and, and from a couple of different areas. But I, I would say first that the main area is the competitive edge that the Kings played with. This was I was worried about this game a little bit because the Lakers, uh, you know, eight-win team, they're hovering around, you know, trying to be 500. I've watched them play quite a few times, and they play a very up-tempo game. They're very aggressive, and that has been the Kings' kind of nemesis a little bit. Their their inability to, what I say, you know, accept the challenge. And last night, I really thought they stepped to the plate and accepted the challenge. There were so many different people that stepped up, but for for Golden One Center, uh, Sacramento Kings fans, an incredible fan base. That's the baseline. First, we got to step up and accept the challenge, and they did that in aces, and I was happy to see it. Yeah, you know, Doug, they've had some ugly losses, especially that three-game road trip where they lost by a total. I think it was ninety-one points. But overall, they're four and five in their last nine games. And they have a, a game on Saturday against the Los Angeles Clippers. 
And it's a winnable game. I mean, the Clippers are a hot mess. Uh, Patrick Beverly is out. It looks like he might be out maybe for the season. Uh, Milos Tiedosic is not playing still. Um, that team is just not going anywhere very quickly. Um, and so you have opportunities here. And I would like to see the Kings kind of capitalize on this little soft spot in the schedule. Because while the Lakers were 8-10, and 10, um, I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I mean, I think Kyle Kuzma is a, is a good young player. I'm not sure that he's as good as people are thinking he is. Um, I, you know, I, I see a player that can't really take over a game on his own. And, and I actually, you know, Doug, I watch Scal LaBissier really play him hard and really shove him around in the, in the paint. And I was impressed with Scal's performance. He only ended up with, I had two or four points, but you know, he had eight rebounds. He only played 19 minutes, but I thought his defense on Kuzma was good. And I think the 17 points I saw out of Kuzma, it was it was nice, but a lot of that came when the game was over and they were already down. A lot like uh, Lonzo Ball's, you know, 11 point performance, which I think most of those came long after the game was decided. Yeah, you know, when you talk about Kuzma, I've been high on Kuzma for a long time, but 17 points to get 17 shots. Don't know his his absolute upside. Part of it, I think, is that he plays with a team that plays with a lot of pace. Is he going to be a good player? I think he is going to be a good player. His upside will ultimately determine, uh, you know, what type of work ethic he gets. But I agree with you. What I saw from Scout defensively uh, early on, he got after him. He was trying. You know, obviously he's seen, okay, this is a guy who people, we're talking about and I want to accept the challenge uh, we come to that again and and I was happy to see that because this was two young teams both ascending and we're meeting head to head we're both kind of down at the bottom and we're trying to work our way up and it was good to see the the Kings accept this challenge and go after the Lakers the way that they did yeah I fully agree now you had a an interesting conversation. We'll just we'll just call it an interesting conversation with Willie Cauley Stein. I've had many interesting conversations with Willie Cauley Stein, but you had one on the radio the other day that's that's got a few people confused and, and a little disoriented and wondering what in the world they just listened to. Um, what were your takeaways from that conversation with Willie Cauley Stein? Because he he's coming off a game. Uh, statistically, this game was so strange. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein scores 26 points, grabs 6 rebounds. He plays 28 minutes, 10 of 14 from the field. Doug, I went back and I looked at every single one of his his scoring opportunities. Nine of his shots were assisted. Bogdanovich hit him with five alley-oops. And I think De'Aaron Fox hit him with two alley-oops. And Frank Mason hit him with one alley-oop. And the other two were were assists from Zebo, but I've never seen a box score where a guy had eight alley oops. That's how he scored all of his points. Um, how impressed are you with not just you know the game that he had, but then when you get him on the phone and you talk to him, and I, I don't know that impressed is the right word. It's confused. That's at least what I was when I listened to him. But again, it's something I've heard multiple times from him. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a I'm a Willie Colley Stein fan because I, I see Willie almost has too much talent. That's that's what I, I agree. See. He has the he has the ability to do so many different things. And uh, talking to to Willie on uh, the Grant Napier show that we do uh, with that I do with Grant, 
uh, I, I was able to ask him, you know, some questions. And, and I, as I asked the question, uh, you know, he was talking about the offensive side of the floor. And I just said, Willie, do you, you know, you're, you're what I called that at the time, a, a rare bird. I said, there's not in him, there, there, there are not many players in the NBA that can do what Willie Colley Stein can do. He is seven feet, six eleven, seven feet. He can stay in front of wing players. I'll, I'll go all the way down maybe to a two guard, uh, you know, and that'll be, you know, a little bit, but, but he can stay in front of some two guards. He's going to have incredible athleticism. Uh, he's stronger than you think. And when you put that package together with hands, you see him catching alley-oops, you see all the different things. Uh, I think sometimes it's it's a lot of information for, for one person to, check, to take in. So what I was saying to him, I was saying, Willie, do you know that you could come in and you could change the game defensively? You could grab all the rebounds. You can block all the shots. You can swing at the ball. And we watched him last night swinging at a shot that I just went, oh, oh, oh yeah. boy. They came to the hoop and he was 12 feet above the rim and he was just swinging at it. Those are the things. And on top of that, a byproduct of that is what you just said. He scores 26 points. You pair that with 12, 13 rebounds, and oh boy, I'm telling you, because you're right, Ham, a lot of those, you're going to set a really good pick on Bogdan Bogdanovich, who can shoot the ball, who can drive the ball, who can pass the ball. And now that a good pick was set, he gets an advantage. Well, the defense scurries to, to cancel that advantage. He has the ability to throw it to the rim. You have the rare ability to go three and four and five feet above the rim and grab the ball and throw it down. The same thing for Frank Mason. And then Zebo requires a double team from time to time when he gets a game going. He's able to kick the ball out to you. A guy's running at you. You have the ability at seven feet to put the ball on the floor, left hand or right hand, and get to the basket and throw it down. It's a, um, it's a, it's an enigma, man, that, that we see, and it is, it's an awesome, it's an, it's an awesome problem to have because I look at him and I just absolutely love him. I just go, oh my god, and what it is is, and I think for for coaches, it, it, it's hard to try to find that motivating factor that continues to get the athlete to go out there and produce at that high level. We've seen Willie, and I give him credit, three out of the last four games, he's produced games like this. Maybe not 26 points, but it's been 18 points. It's been 20 points. And the closer he gets to that double-digit rebound, the, the points are going to be there just because Ham of he's going to get some offensive rebounds, so he's going to put them back. He's going to get some pick-and-rolls, and they're going to feed him. He's going to put it back. He's going to get a couple of jumpers. He's going to put those in. He's going to get fouled. He knocks down his free throws. The points are going to be there. What needs to be there, though, that's going to make Willie special is that defensive presence that will lock people up like he did Joel Embiid, that swings at the shots, that blocks the shots, that starts the fast break. That, my friend, is what makes Willie Cauley-Stein special. Yeah, he's a riddle wrapped in an enigma. That's what he is. He, You're always wondering what exactly, who is he, what is he, where is he going to be in five years and for me, I mean, he said some jarring things, I mean, in that conversation with you. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with you about all the things that he could do. And I could hear the shock in your voice when you were telling him, don't you understand that you can be this player? And his answer mm -hmm. even to that was, oh, I, I never thought of it that way before. If he's never thought right. of it that way before, then I, I don't know where his thought process is because that's what he's been pegged as. I mean, that's what everyone uh -huh. thought he should be.
But to hear him say that he drifts off or he gets tired of playing defense for five possessions and not getting the ball, I mean, to me, that's where I think fans kind of got their eyes opened a little bit to, again, what someone like myself, someone like Jason Jones, we've heard this stuff time and time again. Like, it, And to mm-hmm. us, it's jarring and it's like unsettling because you can see, I mean, look, when I, this is my eighth season covering the NBA full time. When you you can see players and who they can be and who they should be and what they mm-hmm. what they want to be and what they can't be, you can see those things pretty quickly, and you want that light bulb to go on for that the player that you described that to be what Willie is and um, yeah. you know and, and sometimes you get that and and then other times you don't and he needs to find some consistency, but I think consistency comes on the defensive end. It's something that. You you can control your effort. That's the one thing in a game that you can control. And when you go out there and you play with effort, good things usually happen. And I want to see effort on both ends of the floor. And look, the guy was a wide receiver in high school. I think his stats were something ridiculous. I mean, he had 18 touchdowns and 1,300 yards or something like that as a senior wide receiver in, in high school. You throw a ball anywhere near the rim. He, he has the ability to go get it. He's got good hands. He he can go grab it, and he's got good body control, and he can hammer it down. And I think we're seeing a lot of growth. And I actually, I was looking at him last night while he was talking, and he's starting to get that, his, uh, his adult muscle. And that, to me, is a good thing for the Kings because he's starting to fill out a little bit. At not just upper mm-hmm. body and, and arms, but he's starting to fill out. He's, he's getting thicker. And that's what the Kings need. They need him to get thicker and stronger. Same with Scal, thicker, stronger, and just more physical. And so I, I think we see a path here, but I, I want him to see the same path that we see, and I'm not sure that we're going to get that, Doug. Yeah, you, you never know. It's it's like being a parent. You you want the light bulb to go on for yep. for your kid, and uh, you just you don't give up on them. You keep working because, to be honest, Ham, you never know what it, that word is, what that catchphrase is, what's that thing that turns it on, and it might be just the joy of having success. Because, to be honest with you, Willie Colley Stein is the only one that can stop Willie Colley Stein. I, I fully agree. And the three of the last four games, he's really been unstoppable. And what I like to yeah. see in this last game was Bogdanovich. He hit his first three ball, his first two three balls, and it opened everything up. As soon as he did that, he even talked about he's been seeing a lot of different coverages, but they had to cover him differently in that game. And when you're a star in Europe and you go out there and you knock down you know a bunch of threes in every game, they know go defend him. But at the NBA level, he hasn't had that success from the three-point line early in his career. And so teams are going underneath the screen and really limiting his ability to drive or to take guys because the the defender's right on the other side. And, you know, in all honesty, the Kings don't set good picks, at least most of the Kings outside of Costa Cufas. Um, And so you have this, this issue with him. If he doesn't hit his first couple of shots then everyone just sags off him and it really closes all the passing lanes for the Kings. I thought that was huge that against the Lakers, he knocked down his first two threes. And then when the Lakers started going over the top of the screen, he started taking them off the dribble and then got in the key. And he has an ability to get to get wide and to get low and to hold his position and kind of move the the, the defense around. 
And as soon as the big drew to him, he would just fling it up in the air anyway, and a- anywhere. And Cauley Stein was ripping down alley oops. And I asked him after the game. I said, "Hey, you know how nice is it to have someone?" He's like, "I didn't even make a good pass. None of those were great passes." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "You just throw it anywhere up there, and the dude goes and gets it." And it's like, that's what you want to see. And I think that pairing off the bench, and that pairing, if you need to go put that back in the starting lineup. Now that you've got that going, that little that synergy between two players, I think the Kings might have something there at, with their second team if Bogdanovich can continue to hit his shots. Oh, then no, I have no question that he's going to continue to hit his shots. And you add Frank Mason into that mix as well. But Bogdan, you know, one of the things that uh, I think gets him over is he's about six four, uh, you know, and a half maybe right in there. And his his long arms, when he gets in there, he has such a skill set because he can go both ways. He can go left. He can go right. He has a runner and a floater. He has a pull-up jumper. He knocks down the three. He understands how to change pace and change direction. So when he gets in that traffic, you can't really stop him because if you go on his right side, he can go left. If you go on his left side, he can go right. If you double-team him like we saw last night, he has that long arm that he throws that hook pass. And then now you pair that with the ability uh, of an eraser in Willie Colley-Stein, like, like Bogdan said. He said, it, it wasn't even necessarily my best pass. I just throw it up there, and he goes and gets it. That is a great, great problem to have. I, I like what I see from Bogdan. I like his aggressiveness. I would like to see him even more aggressive because you're right. Once he hits that shot, it opens everything up because right now you see a lot of clogging of the lane and things because Kings haven't been hitting their shots. But last night, 10 for 21 from the three-point line, that is a good number. I like to see 20-plus attempts from the three-point line. Would even like to see it higher, but that's 47%. We can live with that any night. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing I'll point out, the coaching staff has also talked about this to me, um, is that, Bogdan is being asked to play the small forward position, and he's not a small forward at all. And they had him in the starting lineup as a small forward. And when you're putting him in there against a six foot nine guy or a six foot eight guy, or even a six foot seven guy, he's holding his own on the defensive end. But it really impedes what he's trying to do on the defense on the offensive side. He's he's not lightning quick, but he's really crafty. And he needs he needs to play against players similar size. And there's a hope that eventually that will happen, that there will be a position where they can move him back over to the shooting guard position. Um, but for right now, they they just don't have the player. It's him and Buddy Heald off the bench. And in the starting lineup, it's Garrett Temple and George Hill at the two and the three. The Kings just don't have any size at that small forward position. And so they're going to have to play through it. And Bogdan is going to have to learn how to work within that and then hope that one day that the Kings have a roster that will allow him to, to really shine and do the things that he can do well. So, so Doug, I, I want to thank uh, Kostya Kufis for coming on. Uh, you haven't heard that interview, but I mean, Kostya Kufis is just salt of the earth. He's such a good, a good human being. Um, and he came on in the first half of the podcast. He's doing some amazing things too. Uh, he had a breakout game, not this last game, but the game before, um, where he kind of did exactly what Willie Cauley-Stein did. He ran to the rim and got a bunch mm-hmm. of hoops on nice little flips. And he's just such a solid player for the Kings to have. Defensively, he's by far their best post defender. 
um, as far as, you know, a guy who stays down and does his job. He had a bunch of blocks in that game too, which was fun. Even smushed the ball right off the, the top of um, of Willie. Well, what's his name? Hernan Gomez's head. That was nice to see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to Costa Kufis for coming on. And, Doug, you know what? Let's get to some, some Thanksgiving. Let's go eat some turkey. I am ready, man. Uh, it, it, we call our, our, our turkey Tom. Tom is in the oven right now, and he's cooking. So uh, <laughs> when Tom is ready, uh, Tom, we get dealt with. We got a, a nice spread, man, going to kick back, watch some games, uh, relax, enjoy the family, and uh, probably take my son to the gym again and, and whoop up on him a little bit. <laughs> there we go. A Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving tradition, whooping up on your kids on the basketball court. All right, that's going to do it. Nothing like it. (laughs) That's right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. For Doug Christie, I am James Hamm. Uh, Again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody out there. Uh, We'll see you very soon. To protect your fleet and your reputation, there's the Michelin Agilis Cross Climate Tire, Michelin's most durable, heavy-duty, commercial light truck tire ever. Visit business.michelinman.com slash professional services to outfit your fleet.